Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. In by Kulisevsky. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy and a man who has all his financial records in perfect order. It's Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. That's me, I hope. <laughs> um, this podcast is going to be the Harry Kane podcast, I think. There's some some happy things to talk about in relation to Harry Kane. Um, in fact, we just jump straight into it. Uh, I don't know about you guys... But I actually welled up a little bit when Harry was celebrating his mm. goal, breaking the record. And then again, at the end of the match, when the Sky cameras showed um, Kane giving an interview on the pitch post-match and all his or lots of his teammates out there supporting him, I found that really touching. I'm so happy for him. Um, you know, football these days has become... The most extreme example of capitalism in so many ways. And Kane could have left us last summer, but he didn't. And there's something folk hero-ish and old school about Kane's journey at Spurs. You know, coming through as an academy player, literally cleaning the boots of, of good strikers before him. Looking like he perhaps wasn't going to make it. Got into his early 20s and then suddenly his chance came and he grabbed it with both hands. And hasn't looked back since. He's been the most reliable striker we've had in my lifetime. He's been the best creator for Spurs over the last two years. I've said last year that Kane is the best player I have and will probably ever see at Spurs. Um, And obviously I feel like that's gone up a notch now, just with another season of reliable goal-scoring output. He is... He is... Excuse me. He is basically what every football fan wants their team to have. It's an absolute dream to have Harry Kane in our team. And I kind of feel like we almost won't appreciate him fully until he's gone. Uh, But this was a really special moment for Harry Kane and his family and a really special moment for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club and all of its fans. Speechless. Well, I was waiting for you to come to me. I was going to say Harry Kane's a dick for for breaking the record (laughs) when I'm not there. 
I, I, I couldn't make it to the game as I, I set myself this challenging target of running lots of half marathons this year. So I, I couldn't get to the match. And I kind of hoped, I went to the Portsmouth game, I was hoping he was going to do it there. Or I was kind of hoping he would do it at Fulham match. And but just typical he did it when I wasn't there. But it's a, it's an incredible achievement, an incredible player. Not as, And I think perhaps he's come to a point in his life where he realises he's never going to earn the love. He's never going to get everybody to love him. So you're better off having a small people who worship you and treat you like a legend mm-hmm. rather than try and please everybody. Harry Kane will, if he never leaves Spurs, will become our greatest, probably our greatest ever footballer. He's definitely our greatest ever goal scorer. That's no doubt anymore. So I think I think if he if he wants to make a true legacy for himself, the goals for England will never be enough. It's staying at Spurs and creating that kind of moment in history where he's forever intertwined with Tottenham Hotspur because Tottenham will continue to go for the next hundred years, however long. And Harry Kane will be a part of that. And I think perhaps now, it's, as he's getting a little bit older, he's realising this is this is where he's supposed to be. And this is where he's meant to be. And um, I hope he doesn't tarnish his career by doing like a season in the US or wherever. Just, just stay with Spurs and end your career with Spurs and become something that very few people reach. Very few people hit that kind of legendary status. Nathan, he turns 30 this year. Uh, he looks in incredible nick. He's never been blessed with tremendous pace. I think that bodes well for Harry Kane having five, maybe six years left at the top level, uh, depending on his ankles. I could also imagine Harry Kane continuing to score 20-plus goals a season for those five or six years. If he were to do that, I mean, what, uh, it would just be absolutely outrageous if he were to stay at Spurs and score another 100 goals. But, you know, what do you reckon? Is he going to be with us into his... Into his mid-30s? Yeah, I think it's viable. I think it's possible. Um, He's eight goals behind Rooney in the Premier League all-time scorers. So reasonable chance of him hitting that this season, Mm. I would certainly say. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, 60 off Shearer. I mean, when when, uh, when things were looking pretty grim recently, um, we said, um, I said, think Kane's probably gone um, because what's, what's keeping him here? Uh, if Conte goes, does that mean he's going? What's the contract situation? Since then, I think there was reporting that actually maybe he's interested in signing a new contract for whatever reason. Incredible, incredible timing on that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It feels it feels very it feels very up in the air. It feels kind of fifty fifty is what I'm trying to say. I think. Um, but I think if he, I think now is like this summer is kind of the moment. I think that like like you're saying, he's got a few years left. Um, at the very top, I think he'll begin to drop off. Um, in sort of three years, or you know, or so. Um, but still be a very good player. I think that if he's gonna move to to Bayern Munich or wherever, um, it's kind of this summer. I think he knows that. I think he knows that. I think that if he doesn't go this summer. He doesn't go for a long time, if at all. And um, uh, despite despite there being plenty of reason for him to leave. Like I said, it kind of feels pretty, pretty up in the air, pretty reasonable that you might stay. And if he does, like I'm, I'm Mister Sell, right? I'm Mister Kill Your Darlings. <laughs> get, get Sun out of my club. Um, always be selling. Um, but Kane, for a couple of reasons, uh, one is that he is um, a talisman, a local kid, uh, an academy product, um, a legend. 
Um, and the other is, as you've already alluded to, um, his playstyle has longevity, right? He will still be maybe not, you know, one of the very best strikers in the world when he's 34, but I think he'll still be like a guy to have around, um, even if he's only a squad player, you know, oh, he can kind of, he can do a job as a number 10 in this game, or he can do a job as a number nine in this game. He can come on for 20 minutes at the end of games because um, he's, he, you know, he's back to nursing his ankles again, which he hasn't done for a while. Um, all those kinds of things. Um, Kane continues to be um, a useful player to have in the squad, I think, for for, for a while after his peak ends. Mm-hmm. So I think if he doesn't go this summer, that maybe maybe he retires at Spurs. I think I think Kane needs to he needs to think about what he wants to do with just Kane himself. There's very few players that can leave one club a legend and go to another. I think Batistuta left Fiorentina having basically won nothing. Went to Roma and in one season won them the league. But that was very different. It wasn't like he was going to Juventus or Inter or even Milan and winning them the league. He went to a club that hadn't won the league in 30 years or so and won them the league. And he's achieved that status of legends in, in two places. I think I think if Kane went to somewhere like Chelsea or, or Man City, just be... Just putting a shadow over his achievements. And definitely, he would end up like... I know you guys spoke about Sol Campbell last week and I was upset because I wanted to I wanted to speak a little bit about this and a few people messaged me. that I think it's important when you when you retire as a, as a player to have a home, to have a, a, a group of people who are yours and belonged, and you belong to them as much as they belong to you. And I think Sol Campbell right now, he, he should be a legend at Arsenal, but he's not because, because of us. And he should be a legend at Spurs, man, because he, he won a cup with us. I think it was the first black football captain to, to lift a trophy at Wembley. One of he was academy product, and he should belong to us. He should be part of our history and part of our team. But he's not because of what he did. And I think Kane could probably take a look at that and think he stays at Spurs. He is he is us now, and he belongs to us, and we'll look after him for the rest of his life. And his his legacy will live for, for as long as the club lives. And I I honestly believe after he missed that penalty against France, his mindset has changed on what he wants to achieve in his career. He hasn't won enough trophies, but I think he'll win something bigger by staying at Spurs for the rest of his career. You know, critics call him uh, a coward or a loser for not going to a club where Hmm. he will win everything. Personally, I think it's braver for him to do what he's doing, Mm. to, you know, have a sense of pride in in achievements in, well, you know, breaking this record for Spurs. If he'd gone to City in the summer, he wouldn't have broken this record for Spurs. He wouldn't be our all-time top scorer. And frankly, there are very few players now that will go on to become their club's highest ever goal scorer. It, uh, uh, unless it's a club where the highest ever goal scorer didn't score that many goals. Or it's but, um, a club like has with no history like Chelsea. Like Frank Lampard becomes their highest scorer. But, you know, that that's some achievement as well because he stayed there for a long time. Kane, Kane, it meant something to Kane to, to take that record. And I think what I was getting at with the comment about football being like an extreme version of capitalism, it, everything's about greed and more and wanting disproportionate growth all the time. And I do think there's something special about the fact that, although it might it might not have been his choice to stay in the summer, but he stayed. And he hasn't opted so far in his career to go and follow the money. He's waited. He wanted the right move or no move. He took no move. Um, and the only thing that's grown and he's greedy for is goals. I mean, it's quite old school in that respect. Um, and I do think that's something really quite special. And I think we're very privileged to have witnessed it um, and to have witnessed Harry Kane. I mean, the, the other thing is he is he's a really special player. He's not just a goal scorer. He, he's broken our all-time goal-scoring record, but he's so much more as a player. 
he's he's everything you would want a centre forward to be, and we will never see another player as well rounded as Kane um, with anything like the prolific scoring record he has. It, it's it's absolutely unreal. I mean, I I predicted big things for Kane. I thought he'd be a Premier League player. Hmm. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that he would be breaking his goal scoring records. Uh, it's 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 a fairy tale. It's insane. It doesn't make any sense. And we're so lucky to have to have lived through this as Spurs fans. To have lived through this period of Harry Kane's dominance. Let's get him a trophy. Come on, Spurs, get Harry a trophy. Just to top it all off, we should talk about the game. Um, it was. I mean, no surprises in the lineup. I think it's fair to say. I think some people were expecting Poro to start. Okay. Um, I wasn't. I must say, I wasn't expecting Poro to start. Just because of the nature of the game, we were going to be playing uh, a low block with counter-attack. Uh, we were going to have to do a lot of defending. And also, he's only just joined the club. Conte has been reticent to to throw some players in, although he did with Kulisewski and Bentenko. So I kind of expected Emerson Royale um, to start. But no, I think that's reasonable when you just signed a big player to expect them to, to play. Yeah, I agree with all that. How about Sessegnon over Perisic? given how the fixture went just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I did wonder about that. I did wonder about that. Um, but I think Sessegnon's been so meek recently that Perisic is still just ahead in the pecking order, despite his own poor performances. And I thought Perisic did, did pretty well. I thought he, he learned from what happened at the Etihad and was much better in closing down Mares and stopping him from really creating anything. I know he hit the crossbar, but it wasn't really something that he created. I thought he did, mm. I thought he did pretty well. I mean, it's very difficult to pick a Spurs player who didn't play well. Yeah, I mean, we were, we were spoiled really in this game by a really good team performance. I think it was our best performance of the season. Uh, Elijah says Conte out Stellini in hmm. yeah I, I, I want to get into that a little bit I know that's a joke question obviously that's not what I'm saying um, but I want to get into that a little bit as uh, uh, cooking up some some crazy theories but um, <laughs> save that for a little later okay, um, okay. I, know. I, uh, <laughs> I made a point uh, is it last episode that like um, Perisic was poor defensively against City in the previous fixture but mm-hmm. if you're wing back um, is costing you defensively an entire game and then you're making a mistake further along the line. And I think that mm. this performance is a good demonstration of that. I wasn't really mm-hmm. intending to set that up when I asked the question, by the way, honest. Um, but like, we didn't allow a situation where Mares was receiving the ball again and again and again with yeah. just Perisic to, to, play, to play against. We went to them earlier. Um, that's kind of the point that, that, that I was making before. And I think that we, we saw that in this game, that Perisic, you know, still had a little bit of trouble with Mares. Um, and Pep's decision to take Mahrez off was questionable, yeah? Sure was. Um, but that's that's the kind of thing that you, you, you mitigate your wing-backs' um, defensive weaknesses, and that's what we did. Absolutely hilarious levels of Guardiola overthinking it on all fronts in this game. Um, he does this so often. It's like he thinks he, he can't just play the, the best eleven. He has to do something different because he's Pep Guardiola. Like there's an arrogance about it. So he leaves Diaz and De Bruyne on the bench um, and plays a team that, that can't find a creative pass to the, one of the best strikers in world football who's making run after run after run and not being found. Uh, absolutely hilarious to see him come unstuck like that. And then, yeah, taking off Mares was insane. Like I thought he, him and Grealish were probably their best players, right? Yeah, and playing Alvarez in that role just doesn't suit him at all. Yeah. Pep did us, did us a big favour, but we still stepped up and, and did everything beautifully. All right, so let's um, let's dig into the tactics a little bit. So um, 
Yeah. City lined up in a sort of on paper four four two, right? Um, and that was kind of their defensive shape, the four four two. What we what we saw of it uh, in possession, um, it changes to a god. What we're going to call it a three three two four one. Yeah, something like that. Three two three two four one. Um, and we came really well prepared for that shape. Um, we had um. When we were in our medium to low block, mm-hmm. we um, were um, being quite versatile with our midfield four. So um, either the wingers or one of the central midfielders, normally um, Bentoncourt, would step up with Kane um, and we would actually change to something more like a 5-3-2. And I've spoken before about why I prefer the 5-3-2 defensive shape a couple of times in this podcast. Um, but specifically for here... Um, Putting men on uh, Rico Lewis and Rodri, um, their their midfield two um, pairing, and denying them access, forcing them out wide, um, and then being quick on that pass, like we talked about with, with Perisic, being quick on that pass out wide. Um, I thought both wingbacks did pretty well in, in that sense, yeah. Um, and then when we forced them back, we stepped up and we pressed them high, situationally pressed them high. Um, again, very, very man-orientated. We then... Um, move away from the um, 5-3-2 to a 3-4-3, right? Our, our attacking formation where we, we're putting a man on each of the centre-backs um, and we're being very aggressive with our central midfielders, um, mm. stepping up again to, to Lewis and Rodri. And then, this is what we've been talking about recently with the um, the short blanket, right? Um, where before this season, we've pressed high but kept our centre-backs deep. Yeah. Here in this game, in a game where City are offering the threat behind of both Erling Haaland and Julian Alvarez, mm-hmm. not really a greater threat in behind going in for that any team poses, right? <laughs> Maybe Mbappe for, for PSG. Um, we were so aggressive with our centre-backs, all three of them, you know, sometimes. Man-orientated there as well. Super man-orientated, following, uh, Dyer following Silva way up the pitch. Romero obviously following Haaland, put that (laughs) that crunching tackling on him. Um, Yeah, and uh, and it worked really well. It worked well in slowing down the build-up. This is what we saw in the previous fixture, and Mm -hmm. it worked well in creating turnovers. That's what we saw in the previous fixture. Um, More importantly... What we saw in the previous fixture and what we talked about in this podcast is that in the second half, City upped their intensity and we fell off and City put four past us. And in this game, we didn't. Um, if anything, we were more energetic in the second half than we were in the first. So we had quiet periods in the first 10 minutes of the game or so. And in the sort of final 10 minutes of the first half, but other than that, I thought we were really in the game physically, um, athletically. We, um, again, even even late in the game, when we're pushed back into our medium block, we weren't just standing around in our shape, waiting for the opposition to do things. We were getting to them. That had obviously been tactically well prepared, but we had the, the athletic presence um, of going about doing that. And also when we turned the ball over, we looked really dangerous on the counter-attack. We didn't score any, um, but we had some good counter-attacks. Uh, Sun didn't get any shots in this game, but I thought he looked pretty nice on the ball really for good a change. Game. Right? Yeah, he had a really good game. Um, really drastic from ha- difference from how he's been playing this season. So... Um, Let's talk about fitness a little bit. What's, what's, why was this game so different? Um, so we our last game was against Preston, um, and we rotated heavily. That was how long ago was that? It was eight days. 
That was eight days ago. Yeah. Um, so neither Kane nor Hoiberg played in that game at all, right? No. Um, so they haven't played since the 23rd, hadn't played since the 23rd. So what, they're getting 15 days rest or something in there? Um, I think that is significant. Um, I, I think if you just pause there for a second, I think Hoiberg's performances have, have mm. nosedived in the past few weeks. Agree. We saw previously that he had a rest and came back strong. This time he had a rest and put in what Gary Neville called a man of the match performance and was yeah. everywhere in this game. He was Him and Bentancourt were so aggressive with their pressing. They were everywhere. He was aggressive with his pressing. Um, he mixed up man-marking silver and then jumping on Rodri and Lewis uh, like lightning. Mm-hmm. And he supported the attacks with runs in behind, third-man runs as well. Um, just lifting all of that has exhausted me. So um, that's an athletic performance, right? Mm-hmm. Doing that and as part of a midfield too, doing all of those things. Yeah, he was a strong candidate for man of the match. Kane was outstanding. Emerson Royale um, has a bit of a, a narrative bonus in his favour on top of mm-hmm. his very good performance. Um, other factors, other factors. Well, uh, we had a different man on the touchline. Um, if you want to speculate that... Um, in the space of a few days, while Conte's been out the country, that Stellini has made a drastic difference to our physical preparedness, mm-hmm. um, such as, I don't know, giving everyone a big rest day before the match or something like that. You're welcome to do so. I strongly suspect he just did exactly what they were doing before and exactly as Conte asked him to do, right? Uh, exactly as the team can, already operates while Conte is there. I don't think... I don't think Stellini would have gone, oh, good, Antonio's out. Right, let's get some rest days in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like you go to Gordon Ramsay's restaurant and eat um, a Gordon Ramsay dish. You don't actually expect... Gordon Ramsay's not in the kitchen, but it's still, you know, approved by Gordon Ramsay. I still think everything that Spurs did there today was 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 approved by Antonio Conte. Run through. You're right, Stellini, what, he's, he's going to change the philosophy of a football team in three training <laughs> sessions <laughs> but I think Spurs I haven't seen Spurs that physically dominant for, for for many years just being able to outrun everybody and as well I was concerned at half time I thought fuck maybe that's it maybe we've got nothing left for the second half maybe we've, we've but the horses bolted but like Joybeer was he was like a wasp at a picnic he just didn't stop pestering them he was incredible I've Never seen Hjoiberg play like that. And I guess this is one of those performances that got everybody standing him, that all these, he has all these like legions of, of followers and fans. I've not seen that. I've not seen him play like that for Spurs. Be physically dominant. Gallop around. You know, still Hjoiberg. Gallop around. Is, galloping is maybe not quite the word to describe it, but yeah. motor Cancel. around. Yeah. <laughs> Plod at high speed around the pitch and make tackles. Get involved everywhere. Be smart as well in terms of faking injury, winning free kicks, buying free kicks, that kind of stuff. He was exceptional. And um, a couple bits like that. And I'll, I'll start being a Hjoiberg stand again. <laughs> so the, the other possible fitness-based explanation, assuming that you want to accept that theory, I think a lot of people have, but maybe not everyone, um... I mean, it, it looks like you're saying it looks a lot more um, athletically um, active, that performance. The other one would be that simply our long-term periodization is finally coming through. This was sort of the um, the theory that we went into um, in the first half of the season. Oh, we're just saving ourselves for the second half. Oh, we're just saving ourselves for the run-in. Um, and we abandoned that when January came about and we looked even more sluggish than ever. Um, so maybe, maybe this is it. We're finally going to be the fittest team and everyone else is going to drop off. Um, 
I'm not hugely optimistic that's the case. So it'll be very interesting to see what our performance is and what our fitness looks like over the next few weeks. So we've got um, a game on Saturday, so six days rest against Leicester, and then Milan midweek, and then a weekend game, and then Chelsea after a week, and then obviously FA Cup and Champions League games are going to come back in. Uh, Milan on the 8th of March um, between two weekend games. So yeah, really interesting. I mean... If nothing else, it points to like again the tactical and technical um, and creative um, ability in the in sort of Conte's ideology and in the talent in the team is that we have the capacity. We maybe just have been lacking the legs. Um, very curious, very very curious to see how that looks going forward. Um, because if this is a one-off, um, it points to the idea that perhaps our problems could be solved with better rotation. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about some of the, the individual player performances. Um, let's get Romero out of the way first. He misses the game. He got a red card. And a lot of fans are kind of frustrated because this is this is typical Romero. You know, he's already on a booking for a, a very rash, aggressive challenge, which is a little unnecessary in the eyes of many. And then he goes and does something similar and gets a second yellow. Uh, but I think the point of Romero is that first challenge. That's that's him. That's like it's a it's a it's a it's a totem pole. It is that's Christian Romero. He's he, he does that. He does that for a reason. He he aggressively presses out and tries to win the ball in situations where he's not always going to win the ball and he risks a yellow card because it stops players trying things. Ultimately, it it creates an expectation of oh my goodness, Christian Romero could be right behind me. So maybe it's worth it, and he doesn't really get sent off all that often. So yeah, maybe it's extra worth it. Yeah, I, I think, think. Sorry, go on, buddy. I think that's a tackle he had to make. I think Spurs had made a mistake there in trying to counterattack. Ben Davies and Hjoiberg had combined, and they made a mistake. And all of a sudden, Man City were onto us. He had runners in behind him. He had to. He had to either win the ball or stop the play. And I think in one of these situations, I think taking that yellow card and getting the sending off with four minutes to go was probably worth them. Probably worth stopping Grealish or stopping the through ball. So, and it's what it's only his second red card since he's been at Spurs. So it's not like this is something that happens a lot I it's understandable it happens I wouldn't have taken him off earlier to replace him with Sanchez because the drop off is too much so I I think it's one of those things that happens yeah yeah I think I'm, I'm not too far from that I think um he wants to leave a mark on Haaland um yeah I can respect that um I think he notices that Edison is off his line and that if you can mm. start a counter attack there, it could be really deadly. You know, Kane's ability to chip the keeper from the halfway line's um, spectacular. And Hoybier's apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he, he, he very very rarely gets a second yellow. So I think um, I think he gets a pass from us basically on that. Mm. If it's something that starts to happen more often, then, then it needs yes. to be rethought. Agreed, agreed. Um, but I think that he... He plays so close to the edge so often um, and rarely, rarely gets that second yellow. So I think um, I think he I think he gets a pass. I think, he, you know, it, if if that potentially won us the game, then it's a worthwhile try, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Harry TS says, am I mad to now be of the opinion that maybe keeping Emerson as an alternative type of right or left wing back isn't a bad idea at all? Sell Sessignon, sad, but probably needed. And then have Udoji, Poro, Spence, and Perisic, I guess. Plus Emerson as a defensive option on either side. Um, 
this is obviously prompted by the fact that Emerson had his best game in a long, long time. Uh, really, really sound defensively and put in a couple of good crosses as well. Um, was really aggressive. I would say, personally, I thought his performance was a little overstated uh, and that Grealish did have the better of him on a few occasions. But having said that, given how much really over-the-top criticism Emerson Royale's had, I am very happy to just celebrate this performance that he had. And uh, in some ways, I did want him to be man of the match just for the like the vibes and to make him feel nice. Hmm. Um, I, but yeah, what do you think about Harry's? What do you think about Harry's point about keeping him? I enjoyed Emerson's performance. I thought he was dogged, determined. He really cared. He really went for it. And sometimes he proved himself. He, we've always said that he's a good defensive right back and he's a good defensive right wing back. I think selling, well, binning off Doherty and keeping Emerson was probably the wise decision. Emerson's younger, there's a potential sell-on value there. So I think it's fine. I, keeping him as an alternate with, with those other four wing-backs is, is not something I'm against. Um, I think that um, these games come about quite rarely. So this isn't the first time Emerson's put in a good performance against um like a top side, right? Was it was it the reverse fixture or was it the Liverpool game? Liverpool or away something? He played excellent. He also played excellently. Um yeah, I, I huh. so so on that basis like having a player in the squads to play like three or four games a season isn't that appealing to me. Um I do think that Doherty is is the better player, but I think that he wouldn't have played as well as Emerson did in this game. So I don't know, maybe there's something in that. Um I also think that his performance was a little overstated, Windy, but in a different way. I think that he was that good. Um I think he did shut Grealish down considerably. Um not a hundred percent but but very well and in a way that a lot of fullbacks would would really, really struggle to emulate. Um but I think where it's been overstated is in like rethinking Emerson Royale as a player. Um, I'm seeing I'm seeing um, apology forms all over social media. I'm seeing um, the shack. I didn't. I wasn't familiar with your game meme. I, I'm extremely. We're all extremely familiar with Emerson Royale's game. He's a good defensive fullback. Yep. He's a bad wingback, and there's nothing about this game. I'm happy for him, but there's nothing about this game that changes that. Yeah, it's it's kind of unsurprising. I'd say he he played a little better than I might have expected him to play in this game, in this fixture against this tricky side. But given the tactics we played, it suits him to a T. It works. Work. This works well for him. This is his playing to his skill set. Um, and I'm personally still in favour of selling him in the summer because I think we'll probably have a manager who plays a more attacking system. And I think having Porro and Spence as right wing back options will be, will be brilliant. And there's, there's no need to keep a multi-million pound asset for four games a season, as Nathan says. Um, there's been lots of talk again. It's kind of a re-emerging theme of how about Emerson right center, right center back. And we've seen it in games briefly. We haven't seen him play a whole game at right center back, but I don't know. Uh, I'm not confident that he would play that role especially well. Um, Me either. No, he's a bit, he's a bit slidey, you know, he slides in a lot and a little bit, it's all right when you're by the touchline, but I get nervous when he starts his one of his slides close to the penalty box. He he did do it in this game successfully. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He he. I mentioned this before. Um, it's a weird one to explain. 
I mentioned his gait. He he reaches with his step. He reaches into his touches. He reaches yeah. into his tackles. Yeah. And um, he he sort of in line with that. He he very much sort of commits his direction a lot. And when you're a fullback and you're defending um someone like going down your line um with the with the occasional threat of cutting inside as well, um I think that that is appropriate. And I think that when you are a centre back, you've got to have good hips. You've got to be able mm. to to recognise threats in both directions and in front of you and completely turn and go behind you. And I feel like he he commits his front foot too far forwards for those yeah. kind of positional changes that a centre back makes. Um, he's also not great on the ball, and I don't think that changes with a, a centre back. And then he's even closer to his own goal when he gives the ball away. Yeah, what what I think really helps Emerson Real exactly because of that point, he's not that good in the ball is. He doesn't have to do much to support Kulusevski. Kulusevski is such a good player that you can just slide a ball up the line to him and he'll hold it up with his back to goal, yeah. out-muscle his man, and then suddenly turn inside and he's away. Like He just beats the guy and, and then he's bearing down on the last defender. And that doesn't involve the fullback having to do a great deal to get up to support him, to have a, interplay with him. A wall that Kulusevski bounces the ball off occasionally, right. yeah. Exactly, exactly. But having said that, I'm really, really, really excited to see what Kulusevski does with Poro on his outside. I think that's a pretty exciting prospect. I mean, Kulusevski's back, he was he was sensational. Really good. In That, that was like last season, Kulusevski. He just so strong. I don't know how he does it, but the the guy comes right up behind him, like they're doing, like um, Strictly Come Dancing, and he'll get the ball, and he'll just kind of roll him. He, he backs into him, and then he just rolls him. Beautiful. And he was back, man. It was great mm. to see. Yeah. I definitely felt that there was a lot more connection between our front three in this game, more than we've yeah. seen in, in quite a while. And that might just be because, you know, Son's scored two goals against Preston and, and has feels a bit rejuvenated. So even though he's not, like making endless runs in behind in this game. He's just having a generally better showing because he feels better. Um, but it did feel like the three of them connected really nicely when they had opportunities to counter. Do you think this is the Dan Juma effect? Do you think Spurs have signed a player <laughs> who Conte will actually play rather than a, a, a child that he won't and that they, for the first time they're concerned? Is that, <laughs> or is that way too talk sport? <laughs> this, is, this is a very popular feeling amongst mm. all football fans. Um, a lot and I just don't find it that convincing maybe maybe it's possible maybe it's true I, I can't read Sun's mind or any other player where this this is potentially applicable I just feel like like Sun is a dedicated professional he's one of the best in the world or he does um, he's working under one of the best coaches in the world um, when his team are flying um, that's a motivating factor when his team yeah. need him to help him out that's a motivating factor it's just like why would he why would he just be coasting why would he care so little as to just sort of be getting by or whatever you can see the frustration on his face in his game when things aren't going well yeah. how much it upsets him that that, that that he would be like oh well you know there's no one's going to take my yeah. place so i'll just keep plodding about it, it i find that very hard to believe but I'd, perhaps not like that maybe it's just that one percent that one percent kind of subconscious thing that because the difference between son before dan juman's son now Maybe it's just that 1% of just like, okay, I'm going to get subbed. I'm going to get taken off. But I think perhaps it has had an impact on Emerson. He's seen off two other right wing backs. And before the moment Poro signed, he was the only right wing back left. He'd seen off Doherty and he'd seen off Spence. And now he knows it's between him and Poro. There's not there's not a whole host of right wing backs for the manager to choose from. And he has 
to um, he has to keep performing, otherwise he will be dropped. It's not guaranteed Emerson's going to start every game. It feels um, he feels more confident. Um, obviously, again, this is again the plays into his hands. We talked was it last week? We talked about Sessegnon, Windy, about how he like put on muscle, works on his explosivity, but still isn't being athletic, doing athletic things, beating his man in various ways. And you said because you think it's it's psychological. Mm. Um, whereas Emerson, he's also put on a little bit of muscle. He's also worked on his athleticism. That stuff from ages ago about him investing lo- uh, an absurd amount of money in like a, an, an oxygen chamber and stuff. He looks like he knows that he has an athletic advantage against Jack Grealish. He doesn't have a technical advantage at all. He has a technical disadvantage against Jack Grealish, but he can use his athleticism to his advantage. He looks like he knows that he's an athlete and that he can he can bully um, smaller, weaker, slower players. That's yeah. that's how I feel. Right, I'm, I'm back in the gym. I've been back in the gym months now, and like, yeah, I'm a bit stronger, but I feel mentally stronger. I'm aware of my own strength. I know where my limits are, what numbers I'm, I'm putting in. That does something to me psychologically, and I I feel like that. You know, it's strange that that hasn't happened at all for Sessegnon. Yeah, I do. I definitely get that. And I think on on the point about Son stepping up his performance in light of there being pressure on his plays, I I honestly think. Like, if that were a thing, then I think the signing of Richarlison should have spurred him to be yeah. good from the start of the year anyway. Yeah. And, I mean, you could argue that Richarlison had to fit in on the right anyway because of Kulosevsky. But I do think, like, his presence in the squad should have had an... Especially, you know, when Son was... Hmm, I was going to say when Son was dropped against Leicester, but then he came on and scored a hat-trick. So maybe it did have an impact. <laughs> but then it um, immediately wanes, right? <laughs> yeah, then exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um my mind has gone blank I was going to say something else then it's completely gone have we covered everything we want to on the City game in the second half they um, pushed Walker further forward and built more like with a two um, a two three three two whatever <laughs> something like that um, and that gave them a bit of an advantage and they pushed us deeper but we still stayed athletically physically present that's why I think that's that's I think that for me the, the surest reason as to why I think um, we were the fittest we've been in this game and why that, that explains our performance because even though there was a tactical tweak by the opposition, we, we kept our presence in the game. We we moulded around it and, and stayed in the game and kept our threat on the counter. I feel like we've just not had any threat on the counter since the first game of the season. Mm. So, but you don't feel like it's not just a fitness thing, but it's a fixture thing, i.e. the nature of the opposition syncs well with our tactical preferences. You know, the first half against City... Last time round, we also looked quite dangerous on the counter. We looked, we looked a, a good, a good tactical matchup to them. Because I, I kind of feel like that's as important as the fitness element. That's very important, and I think that goes a long way to explaining why we have such a great record against City through like seven different m- men on the sideline. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's definitely true. But again, in that previous game, we got our goal, two goal advantage. Yeah. that should be yeah. like. For Conte to go to lose a game in which he had a two goal advantage is like essentially unheard of. Like he, his teams are the best teams of the world from from being in a positive situation like that, and we we shipped four. Mm-hmm. That's that's you know that that is having the optimal tactical advantage and not being able to impose it. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this game we did. Nice, as you know, for twenty twenty three we are partnered with Athletic Greens. So over to Bardi. <laughs> 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I started taking AG1 because I like to improve. I mean, who doesn't? No one wants their health to be booed off after every game. They want it to be a compilation of greatness, something you can be proud of. Emerson Royale spent a million quid to be better, but AG1 gives you the opportunity to do that for a lot less. There's no hypnotherapy, no pills, no oxygen tanks or crossing clinics. There's the green powder and water and some vigorous shaking. It's never too late to be more Emerson, to be a better version of yourself. Boo off ill health. Make your morning compilation an AG1 one. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself, and it supports better sleep quality and recovery. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So City, who we uh, played... Uh, hours later were found in breach of FFP regulations over a number of years and I want to say you know surprise surprise this this is this is I mean I, I do you know what I say that I actually am surprised that they've been called up on it um, because it was pretty obvious it was happening but I thought they'd probably get away with it I mean they're coming for people Juventus got hit coming for City but just not this season let it go this season and start it next season just don't give them a points deduction this year yeah yeah uh, I don't know if there's been an internal change at UEFA whether they've got like a, a hot new you know <laughs> former criminal prosecutor in charge of things and he actually wants to do their job or if that's just a coincidence in the timing um <sighs> Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, it's it's what it's what Wendy was talking about at the very beginning of the podcast, right? Football is so fucked that our choice of champions of the Premier League this season are this horrifying, um, corrupt, uh, blood money, sports watching enterprise, or um, our bitter rivals who are held together by an outed rapist. It's it's you you can't. <laughs> It's not fair. It's not right. <laughs> Nothing about it is 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 uh warms you to football at all, does it? Mm. Um, I think that um the only sort of positive, other than the fact it's is good for football, the only positive um as Spurs fans is like at least it won't be our fault if like City are, were going to be like two points behind Arsenal at the end of the, the season, because I went into this game going. I'd like us to play well, but I definitely wouldn't mind if City got three points here and closed the gap 
on Arsenal. Um, and exactly like the previous game. And then again, exactly like the previous game, we started playing well and I started cheering the team on and I was yeah. like cheering challenges and getting <laughs> riled up. <laughs> um, and I and enjoyed Spurs winning much more than I would have enjoyed a change in the table um, for a team I have no feelings towards, right? No positive feelings towards. So yeah, I guess at least if if they get like a 15 point deduction, then it, it wasn't our fault. Um, but man, that the thinking about the table at all fucking sucks. Given given the the level of what seems to be corruption that's gone on, um, a fifteen point deduction would be nothing, would it? This, I think this has to be, <clears throat> I think this has to be a lot more serious a punishment to. Well, it has to fit the crime. I think it has to fit the crime, and it also has to be enough that will stop teams doing the same in the future. Um, one of the options on the table is expulsion from the Premier League. Now, that won't happen because it's a cosy little club. But it, this should be a serious, serious punishment, I think. You know, they're, they're gaming the system, essentially. And they've profited from that hugely over a number of years, a long time. Um, so they should have a huge financial penalty and some footballing penalty as well, I believe. I mean, the financial penalty doesn't actually mean anything. It's so dust. It's, yeah. It's, it has it's to quite, be a footballing one, right? Yeah. that's yeah. The, the only way you hurt them is a footballing one, whether it's a, a point deduction this season or they start with minus 10 points next season or something like that. It, Every it season. That. <laughs> <laughs> and they lose all their titles and we, they have to liquidate. And... We get the, um, the, the, the Carabao Cup final we lost to them. We'll get that back. There yeah. Harry Kane's Give trophy. Mason his trophy. Give Ryan Mason his trophy. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, that means Mourinho wins the league for, for United a few seasons back. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, maybe it. don't do that. <laughs> um, um, I mean, we're, we're hardly whiter than the white ourselves. And this week we released a video um, front and centre of which was Fabio Paratici, who is uh, accused of not dissimilar crimes at his previous club. Um you know, I'm not saying we necessarily knew all about those alleged crimes before we hired him, but I'd be surprised if we didn't know something. <laughs> um, and I do think it's extremely strange that the club have just not said anything about this, not acknowledged it, and put out the video as usual, as if nothing has happened. Um, like they're just trying to wait for it all to die down. And, and it's, it's a bit Boris Johnson. It's a bit like what we've become, become accustomed to in UK politics, where... Someone does something terrible and they just try and wait it out until the, the media moves on to something else. Um, and I'm sorry that Spurs have chosen to do that. I think it's pretty appalling. He should be on gardening leave at this point. Like, the, he shouldn't be employed by the club, in my opinion. Um, but instead, he's fronting the post-transfer window video, uh, I'm going to say, as, as normal. Like, as if nothing's changed. Really bizarre. Oh, uh, sorry, you didn't put this in the running order, but... Um... Did you have any thoughts on the trusts questions and Spurs answers? You know, we're on the topic of, of club communications. I have not read them. Yeah, I, th I think um, the questions were fair, but also kind of vague. And and Spurs gave sort of very reasonable, dismissive answers. And it's hard to have much of a conversation on those topics, to be honest. Um, Spurs basically said, "Look, we've been we've been spending." which is true, um, and we've made mistakes, which sounds sort of fair enough to acknowledge. Um, I think I think it's hard for the trust to be as specific as they would need to be to get um, the kind of 
answers that Spurs don't want to give. Yeah. So we on this podcast talked a lot about joined up thinking. I think mm. questions in that kind of area are sort of more to the point, but very difficult for the um, the trust to to get into because that's sort of trying to meddle in the football side of things. Um, and it's sort of not really the trust area. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, it's very, very wishy-washy kind of response, but the questions, um, the question seems fair and the answer seems fair. And <laughs> there's not a ton more we can really say other than that. Sure. So we have um, Leicester up next and then we play Milan. Leicester are coming off the back of a couple of more positive results, having had a bit of a a rough time um i must admit that i have not seen a lot of leicester this season but i'm aware that uh they they're transitioning away from jamie vardy they're now playing Iheanacho up front um they've got tete playing wide who apparently had an outstanding game um in their last match against aston villa where they won 4-2 away um, kind of don't really know what to expect from Leicester, to be honest. I mean, I guess Rogers' teams play possession-based football majority of the time. Um, they've got good creators, Madison, Barnes, and, and now Tete, by all accounts. And Dewsbury Hall's playing a deeper role now and is obviously a, a really decent passer as well. They've still got Tiedemans there. Um, what What do you think? How do you feel about the Leicester game? I have no feelings <laughs> about Leicester. Mm. I... I don't know if I've watched Leicester since we last played them. Um, I haven't looked into their numbers or their form or their, their players or anything like that. Um, so I'm going to jump ahead and talk about Milan because um, I have been putting off my Milan homework because I keep waiting to see if Pioli's going to go um, or be sacked or whatever because they are in really, really terrible form this season. They're sixth in the table. Um, but their performances are worse than that by some way. Um, and yeah, I sort of didn't want to start making a video about them if, if, uh, if their coach is going to change just before we play them. So I don't know. I, I, they just, they just lost again <laughs> against yeah. uh, Inter. Um, and the fact that they only lost one nil <laughs> is sort of kind of good for them in there. So they, they lost, um, so they lost 3-0 to Inter a couple of weeks ago. They lost 4-0 to Lazio. They lost 5-2 to Sassuolo. And then they've just lost this game against Inter. They're in a, they're in a terrible place. Um, you know, just in time for Dr. Tottenham. Ha ha ha. But, uh, I sort of don't really know what to say about them, about, uh, about them right now. There's real problems. Teo Hernandez is out of form. Leao is having problems. Um, their goalkeeper's injured. They've got Tata yeah. in goal who, who can't stop anything. So they're, they're in real trouble right now. When, when we were drawing them early, late last year, I was like, oh, okay, this could be, this could be pretty tough. But something has happened to them this turn of the year. They've not won since the start of January. There's, there's some bad things happening and for the first time well when, just before Pioli was signed permanently they were in this kind of funny run of form and he turned it around so maybe he can do it again but they seem a little bit lost right now do they have a midweek fixture they, no they can't no do they don't they're playing, okay. they are playing Friday night we're playing Saturday so they're playing they're going to have one extra day rest but I don't know if Torino. okay yeah. so I think because um, he hasn't been sacked today <laughs> last I checked um, I will put together a video um, this week with my thoughts on 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 um, what went well for them last season, what's going badly for them this season, why stylistically I think the game really plays into our hands, um, 
and and some specific prepared elements i think we might um i might do a live thing and we might do some match reviews looking at milan uh yes. ac milan um last season and this season by comparison and uh point out a few things yeah and buddy you're doing a preview pod as well yeah i'm gonna sit down with nima who we spoke to when conte first signed um for spurs and we'll have a little chat that will be post their friday night game and post our saturday night game so a proper nice little look at the the fixture nice and all this additional content is available on our patreon.com forward slash the extra inch where you'll find this and plenty of other content such as i uh i did a poro video uh last week uh straight after we signed him i was waiting i had everything ready i wasn't gonna hit record until we announced him because uh i've been i've been accused repeatedly by the ex-subs of uh of cursing transfers <laughs> even though i've already done a video on horror before um this was uh just a sort of a fun celebratory thing looking at his um was I call it? like his main character performance in his final league game against Vizela. Um, yeah, just a just a really sort of fun, funny him running the show, defending poorly, attacking brilliantly, kind of kind of thing. And Bardi started a new series as well. Yeah, I was on the the Red One podcast with uh, Connor and Cree, who are two Spurs fans, and they've started doing a podcast looking at the the famous Championship Manager 0102 game, which was like one of the the best football manager games ever, well, Championship Manager games, and it inspired me to take over Spurs. And I did a little kind of catch up video. Uh, basically, I, I got fired in my first season. It was pure body out. They didn't, they couldn't <laughs> handle, they couldn't handle the three four three. But I kept the game running. and I came back the second season, and we we won the League Cup. So I brought a trophy to Spurs, something that Pochettino never did. <laughs> and we've now started o three o four. And you can watch the update video. And then my next video has been recorded. It's the quarterfinal special. Me in the quarterfinal of the UEFA Cup and versus Watford. And you get to see what happens in those two games. Just like uh, Pep in his post-match conference, a completely unsighted, needless digger Pochettino. <laughs> well, who could be the next Leeds manager. And I, oh, I would like to see him there. That would be lovely to see. You have been listening to The Extra Inch with me, Windy, my sidekick and best friend, Barney, and our tactics guy, Nate Clark. If you like this, there's plenty more at patreon.com forward slash The Extra Inch. Production is by Nathan A. Clark. Our logo, artwork and website are designed by Creighton Miller. Our music is by David Lindmer. You can find him on Instagram at David Lindmer. Do check him out. He's great. Great, great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us at podcast at theextrainch.co.uk. Subscribe, leave us a rating and a review. And most importantly, be sure to tell all of your Spurs friends. Shout out to the X-Sub, who we love every single last one of you. And of course, come on you Spurs. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1, only from Rust-Oleum.